decided to not bring them up here. But uh, Doug, you can come up here. It's fine. I'm gonna. I'll get out of the way. But uh, let me just introduce you to Doug. Doug not only plays a mean harmonica, right? Does he not play a mean harmonica? Yeah. Not only can he spit through pieces of metal well, but um, Doug has been, he's going to share his testimony, but Doug has been in ministry for a long, long time. How long? 35, 40 years, maybe. 35, 40 years. About as long as I've been alive. (laughs) Anyways, uh, and... Yeah, Doug has been in ministry a long time. He's gone through a lot. He'll share a lot about that. But Doug and I uh, struck up a friendship, oh, a couple years ago, maybe three. In fact, two years ago on my birthday, we went over to Billings. Was that only two years ago or was that three? Yeah, two years ago. Two years ago, we went up to Billings together and uh, hung out. And yeah, he got to be my roadie, which was pretty awesome. Um, anyways, and Doug and I struck up this friendship. And I saw in Doug um, a guy that has faithfully served in ministry and been kicked repeatedly even though he doesn't know it but he's a pig-headed strong-willed German and uh, (laughs) never mind we're not going to get into that but yeah so he's this strong-willed German and he has just faithfully followed Jesus for a long long time and I saw in that I saw this guy and I thought I want to be like him and then I got to know him and I thought there's other things I don't want to become like but he's going to talk about that too so Take it away, Doug. Thank you, Brian. And happy birthday. My name is Doug, and I'm a Methodist. Uh, Not only have you seen me up here playing my harmonica, but I usually sit in the back row there with my wife, Dawn, almost 43 years, and my daughter and her husband and our three grandchildren also have a son down in Omaha and they have two little girls and so very 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 blessed I sit in the back row because I sit in support of all the church members over all those years who always fought for the back pew (laughs) now I get to do it I grew up a Methodist from Mandan North Dakota if you don't know where that's at it's the uh, cross river from Bismarck and although my parents were not especially uh vocal about their faith they were they were faithful in church and made sure i got to church in sunday school every sunday i don't know if any of you were in churches where you got attendance pins i had a lot of pins on my my lapel we had to wear suits in those days to, to a sunday school in church on the positive side i had a pastor who who uh, talked about the personal relationship with jesus and he brought me uh, to a relationship with jesus also had uh, Sunday school teachers and a pastor who cared about me a lot and, and encouraged me, which meant a whole lot because I was a very, very, very quiet, reserved, good little boy. <laughs> On the negative side, I heard more in my church about what to do and especially what not to do as a Christian instead of God's uh, love for me and mercy for me. And so that led me to focus on on performing for God in order to earn his love and that that was a handicap that I've had most most of my life also the church I grew up in was very judgmental it was us and them we were bible believing born again christians the catholics were not real christians and uh, folks who didn't agree with us were liberals 
and they did not believe in Jesus, they were not going to heaven. That judgmentalism and also uh, defensiveness that went along with it, and then also this need to perform for God. Again, there were handicaps that have followed me uh, for most of the years of my life. How many have gone through confirmation? I went through confirmation when I was 13. That uh, was the standard age at that time. At the end of the, the confirmation process, we all had to go to see the pastor privately in his office. And uh, as he shared with me, he held out a, a pen to me and he said, you know, in order for you to get this pen, you have to receive it. Just in the same way you have to receive Jesus' forgiveness for you or else it can't be yours. I never figured out why he didn't let me keep the pen. But anyway, I did, I did leave that day feeling lighter because I knew that Jesus was my Savior and that he had died for my sins. Back in those days, our youth groups had officers. Anybody have officers in your youth group? I was the president of our youth group when I was a senior, and the president of the youth group uh, got to preach the sermon at sunrise service uh, at Easter time. I don't remember much about it, except I know I was terrified. And also, I was fascinated with uh, just studying the Bible and uh, getting ready for, for that sermon. I also knew for sure that I was not interested in ever preaching again. <laughs> I was bound and determined to be an electrical engineer. Yay, engineers. <laughs> I love science. I love math, and being a very quiet and reserved young man, engineering fit me perfectly. Plus, I was hoping to make a whole lot of money. I left for North Dakota State knowing I needed to take my faith seriously. If for any reason, I was scared to death and needed all the help I could get. But instead of my faith growing during that freshman year, I found myself falling away from my faith. Uh, my girlfriend, who was still in high school, left me and devastated me. My roommate, who happened to be my first cousin, introduced me to a life of drinking and carousing that helped with the pain and also helped in working out the rebellion that I had in my very restrictive upbringing. It was during, my, uh, during the spring of my freshman year that I knew I was at a crossroads. My cousin and I had gotten a lot into a lot of trouble that year in the dorm. We were just inches away from being kicked out of the dorm. And although I was very happy to no longer be a straight-laced good boy, I was very aware that I was not going the direction I wanted my life to go. I was home for a long weekend. I was at the grocery store getting something for my mom, and I happened to be in line with a girl, former classmate of mine, a Catholic neighbor, who invited me to a Bible study that Sunday night. And uh, I knew my life get it back on track, so I agreed to go with her. And I was, I was blown away because for the first time in my life, I saw people my own age who were excited about Jesus about reading the Bible. I went back to college knowing that I needed to make a change. It was a Thursday before Easter that I was home again, and uh, the same group that I that uh, had the Bible study were, were at a storefront in Mandan, painting and, and renovating, getting ready to turn this, this old storefront into a Christian coffee house, which was a big thing at that time. Now, at the end of that time, we gathered in prayer, and during that prayer time, I made a decision 
Whereas I knew that, that Jesus was my Savior, I now knew that it was time to give up my own plans and follow Jesus as my Lord. My life changed. I was involved in the opening days of the coffee house during the summer. I returned to Fargo. My sophomore year, a different person. Uh, my roommate, my cousin, had a similar experience, and so the head resident shook his head as he watched my, my cousin and I going to an intervarsity Bible study across the hall from his, his, uh, his residence and uh, no longer troublemakers in his dorm. Now, I joked that it was either the Holy Spirit or differential equations that called me into the ministry. <laughs> you relate? <laughs> Actually, it was, it was a huge God thing. I was home for the weekend again, and for some reason, the, my pastor ended the service with an altar call, which he didn't do very often. And as that call was given, I felt like God was taking me by the shoulder and saying, Doug, I have a plan for you. I want you to serve me full time. I want you to leave behind engineering. So I made my way to the altar. I was, I'm, I'm not a, an emotional person, but I was bawling my eyes out. I felt as if I had no choice. My life changed direction. I was excited, but I was scared to death. I was much too quiet and much too reserved to become a preacher. I decided after my sophomore year in college to uh, go to the University of Mary in Bismarck to change my major to a Bachelor of Arts so I'd be better ready for seminary. And I also uh, decided to move back home to the University of Mary, attending the University of Mary and become involved in the coffee house, which I eventually became the leader. I changed my... Uh, major sociology, uh, even though I, I, I knew what I was headed for, I still chose classes in which I did not have to write any papers or make any speeches. I hated doing both. Went to Asbury Theological Seminary in Kentucky for two years. It was not a necessarily a positive experience. I had a strong sense that God was... was wanting me to do this, but I just did not want to be a person who, uh, I just didn't want my quiet, reserved personality to be challenged that way. And it was especially evident when, uh, when I found myself in class with these gregarious, extroverted, southern, drawling young men who also were preparing for ministry. And that was not me. We as Methodist preachers are appointed. We're not called by our churches. We're appointed by a bishop. And I spent my first five years as an associate, first in Bismarck and then in uh, Rapid City at Rapid City First, specializing in Christian education and youth work. It was fine with me because I had no desire to preach. And that all changed when the bishop said I needed to move to Britain, South Dakota. I served there for seven and a half years and then seven years in Grand Forks, North Dakota. In 2001, when I was in my third year as a district superintendent supervising the the Methodist churches in the western two-thirds of North Dakota, I was asked to consider moving back to Rapid City, where I had been a youth pastor in the early 80s. The church was having some struggles, and uh, since I I was familiar with the church, the bishop thought that I'd uh, be a good fit and be able to help calm things down, and heal a church. 
Don and I were very excited to move back here. Uh, both our son and daughter were were uh, born here, and uh, we enjoyed the weather much better in Rapid City than in North Dakota. So I ended up serving at Rapid City first, corner of Kansas City and Seventh, before uh, for twelve years before leaving the, uh, the ministry. And I could go off on a lot of rabbit trails, but I've got the script. And I just want to share with you some of the things that I learned in the, the 35 years of ministry. I, I, I don't want to dwell on just what happened back when I, when I came to Jesus. First of all, even though that being a pastor was not a natural fit for me, for some reason, God always saw fit to give me what I needed when I needed it to do the things that I had to do. I was able to do things during those those years that I thought I'd never be able to do as a quiet, reserved young man. I can't say it wasn't a struggle. I can't tell you how many times I wanted to quit. There's a period in my life where I wanted to quit every Sunday afternoon. And you talk to Brian about, about that. He knows what, what I'm talking about. Much of the struggle resulted in depression, which was also a lifelong struggle for me. I learned while I was in seminary, however, that my propensity towards depression was not a sign that God was disappointed with me, not a sign that I was doing something wrong, but it was an occasion for God to walk with me and become my strength and my weakness. I became far less judgmental and defensive in my faith. I learned that many of the people that were the they's of my growing up Love Jesus just as much as I did, and that I could learn from them. And uh, this includes several Catholic and liberal authors that uh, have taught me a lot. I also found a deep appreciation for Celtic Christianity, and that's been become a big part of my life in these past few years. Celtic Christianity was uh, originated in Scotland and and uh, Ireland back in the sixth and seventh centuries. It emphasized God's presence in nature. Uh, it, it was a a great, a great movement of, of God that uh, was more, much more sensi- sensitive to indigenous people and uh, also had a deep emphasis on the Trinity and uh, the Trinity's uh, presence in a person's life. Now, I've been trained to make good church members, and I've been trained to take good care of those church members. But over those 35 years, I learned that I was called to make disciples of Jesus Christ, trained to engage the world and and for themselves to make disciples. I challenged my churches. uh, I got more challenging as years went on. And it was not always welcomed. But there were people that got it. And I was thankful for those folks. And at the best, maybe, a whole lot of people just ignored it. I also learned that justice was not a dirty word. When I was growing up, I was taught that if I ever heard anybody use that J word, they were liberals, and I shouldn't listen to them. I was taught to focus on people's souls, but not worry so much about their physical needs. And this is most interesting because as a Methodist, in the early days of the Methodist movement, uh, John Wesley and his brother and, the, and those people, they, they taught that the, that the gospel of Jesus Christ must affect and help the whole person, physically and spiritually. 
That's a whole other story that I don't have time to tell you. But but uh, that call, that new calling that God placed on my life resulted in what's called the Hope Center today here in Rapid City, a place where the poor and homeless uh, can find encouragement and prayer and uh, basic services that people on the street don't get, and also hope in the name of Jesus. On the dark side up during these 35 years, I became very cynical about the church. And it's interesting to hear the sermons now about the Corinthian church because that was my experience so many times. I had listened to too many church members who were not interested in becoming disciples, but rather were only interested in being comfortably taken care of by me. Just like the Corinthians. I also found that in some ways I had lost my personal relationship with Jesus. Somehow it got all wrapped up in my ministry to which God had called me. I really didn't have my own devotional time because every time I had devotions, was reading the scripture and praying, I found myself thinking of sermon ideas and illustrations that I could use the following Sunday in, in, in my sermons. And once again, uh, I, I found myself tying my value to God's love for me. And when things were going well in the church, I thought God was pleased with me. And when things weren't going so well in the church, I felt like God was displeased. It was about seven years ago that I asked for permission to step out of the church. I just couldn't do it anymore. I had, I had worn out. And just like, like I felt that God had called me in the ministry and placed this mantle on me to enable me to do what I needed to do, I, I really felt like God was saying, Doug, you've served your time. I'm going to set you free. I'm going to take the mantle off and let you just be. And I found myself at a time when I just couldn't deal with stress anymore and, and uh, I couldn't recover from stress the way I had when I was younger. So... So I stopped, and we became what frustrated me so many times as a pastor. We became church shoppers. We tried a lot of different churches. We tried several times to to return to First United Methodist Church, but found that too stressful. And during that time, Destry and her family started to go to church here at Common Ground. And so I was never able to sit with my family uh, during my, my years of ministry, so now I finally had a chance not only to sit with my wife, but also to sit with, with my daughter and her husband and my grandchildren. Not only was I able to sit with my family, but I discovered that I enjoyed it here. I only had one problem. In what in my culture, what I experienced, God could always get all of his work done in one hour. <laughs> and apparently, God works a lot of overtime. <laughs> I began meeting with Pastor Brian. As he said, we, we'd become friends. We, we meet together often, and we have a lot in common, and we have things that we can teach each other. I was invited to play my harmonica, which is a whole other story. And uh, last fall, I led a class on God's justice, and I'm going to be doing another one. This place has truly been a blessing for me and Dawn and, and our family. 
I uh, still struggle with the, with the ramifications of, of all those years living in stress. But it's here that I find a place that I can rest and I can heal. And I can't tell you how much I enjoy, well, not the title so much, but how I enjoy just being one of the old guys of this church. My life verse is from Philippians 3. It's forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So even though I'm not a pastor anymore, I know that the journey continues and God still has something for me. Anybody remember Andre Crouch? The old people. The old people, I know. There are a few of us here. Adapting one of these songs, I want to end with this. How can I give thanks for all the things that he has done for me and done through me and will continue to do things so undeserved and yet he did to prove and show his love for me. The voices of a million angels could never express the gratitude. All that I am and ever hope to be, I owe it all to him. To God be the glory. You are asking us to live in such a way where we can have faith in you, where we can reflect you, where we can be humble like you, where we can serve people like you, where we can step out of ourselves and love those who are lost and are left out and are kicked to the side. Um, Help us to figure all that out. Uh, Lord, I guess thank you for the fact that it's not that simple when it comes to relationships. Um, Help us to continue faithfully walking forward in those things. And uh, as we commit our hearts to you uh, through this song, I pray that you would move us into a a place where we can see you as clear as humanly possible. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.